time to present Scott Coupon to bring you another episode of Finance Your Movie with tips and strategies to help you get your money to tell your story. It's time! Okay, we're back with another episode of Finance Your Movie. I am thrilled to be here with Michael Stein actor, writer, director, producer, also does a little stand-up comedy. Michael has worked with multiple Academy Award-winning actors and filmmakers. And most importantly, the reason I wanted to have Michael on the show for quite a while now is he's a serial entrepreneur and an underdog. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. So we've got a lot of wood chop here. I don't know how we're going to get it all in 20 minutes, so hang on. This is going to be a really wild ride. And Michael, I'm just going to go through real, real quickly about some defining moments that probably changed your life. So let, let's start at the age of 10. I guess you saw Rocky. That's right. Saw the movie Rocky. Saw a guy like me that wasn't successful, that kept on getting knocked down. He wasn't smart, but he was funny. I, that was the first bit of success I had. I said, the only difference between this guy and me is that he's physically fit. So I started working out every day ever since. And by the time I was 16, I became a physical fitness trainer at my local gym when I was going to high school. And uh, I was like, holy shit. You could do time plus effort equals probable success. So that was a second bit of success. So uh, I decided to do many things since that point. And then, and then after shortly there, you got into an acting class and got up to stand up. I did. I did. Uh, I told my tutor. I said, "We should. Well, what do you want to do when you graduate?" So I don't want to call, call, go to college. I said, "I want to be an entrepreneur, an actor, and a stand up comedian." She's like, you might want to like be a gardener or something, work with your hands because not everybody's meant to do what they want to do. And I said, ah, screw you. My dad never finished the eighth grade, became a multimillionaire, although he lost it all. Um, you know, uh, I said, I could do it. So I started a company the day after I graduated high school. Two days later, it just filled miserably. It was summertime. I was like, fuck it. I want to go outside and play. So about six months later, um, I did stand-up comedy because uh, that was one of my goals and uh, did well. For the first time, brought a lot of people. I was like, holy shit, you know, like, you know, in LA at that time, if you were a nightclub promoter, there were like mini celebrities. I said, I could become a nightclub promoter. That would work for me. I, I had, I enjoyed getting all these people here. And within six months after that, I became the number one nightclub promoter in LA in my age bracket, wow. which led me to a lot of the things that I got my first acting role playing Dirt Diggler in the Dirt Diggler story, which became the movie Boogie Nights, which I appear in as well. And and it and got me, you know, open doors to do movie events um, and create my own lane and, and many other things. Wow, that, that's incredible, that nightclub promoter story, number one. So a few years later, I, I'd like to kind of set up how you produced your first movie, which was a documentary, The Scene, if I'm correct. Right. So I was promoting nightclubs. I wanted to be a filmmaker. A friend of mine, um, he was a filmmaker, and I was like, you know, and he's starting to come up, and I was like, ah, you know, what's my, what can I do? What would I get segue? I said, you know, at those days, you know, you put a bunch of like popular DJs on your invite, and you get a lot of people. I said, I'll just do a documentary on the history of LA clubs, and I'll put everybody in the past three decades that was like a big name. I'll put them in the documentary. I'll show the documentary at the event. I did this big, huge, like a year before, I did a big event, probably the biggest movie event at a nightclub. It was 4,000 people for the Batman movie. It was 1989. I was really young, but I got shot because I was friends with the producer, and I was able to make um, a big event for that movie. And I said, how would I be able to do this again? You know. So I said, I will take all these big people in L.A., in these nightclubs, and I did the documentary. So like about a year later, I did the scene, and it was that was the name of the event, and we had like like 4,000 people again, 
and they had a movie room and we had like three different dance rooms and it was huge. And, and uh, that's what that event was. Wow. So how, how did you get the money? I, I know it was a documentary, so it probably wasn't millions of dollars, but how did you finance that or put that together? That was nothing. That was just like, you know, those days you just video and my friend um, was an editor, uh, the guy that wrote, directed the Dirt Diggler story in Boogie Nights, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's the one that edited it. And um, I, uh, it did, we just filmed it and uh, edited it and just showed it there. We didn't, did, you know, try to get distribution for it. And um, that's, it wasn't, it was like pennies on the dollar. Okay. So you kind of did it yourself. So I want, I want to jump ahead to um, rituals and resolutions. You did a 30 minute short and, and this is remarkable. Apparently the film was acquired and distributed by HBO. I don't know whether you got a little bit of money for it. And then I want you to share with the audience about years of rejection and development hell, because it's very real. Okay. So, well, just before, before that, uh, after I did the scene, I said, I'm going to do a documentary on the history of raves and house music. So, cause I wasn't a skilled, uh, uh director, uh, you know, even for documentaries by the scene. So I, so I decided to do an event around the country for four months, which would really, you know, hone my skill set. You know, I, I it was done the history of house music and raves in, in the early 90s. That was a big thing. And I wasn't into the music, but I wanted to be a filmmaker. So I went around the country for four months filming every single day, a new city, new DJ, magazine writer, you know, or producers of the music and, and um, had a, you know, an amazing amount of footage to edit at the end of that. So that process is really, you know, learning. So I, I was, and then we had to, we had to try to distribute it that we were, we wanted to make money off of this thing. We got a distribution deal, but it didn't make any money. And um, I said, you know, I really, I think I could do this. I think I'd become a filmmaker. The only problem is, is I still needed more education as a, fil a true filmmaker. I wasn't going to go to film school. And I was, if I, I was going to be a filmmaker, I needed to be working films. And if I was going to do that, I was going to need to drop my nightclub business. So I left the nightclub business which is tough because you're like, well, yeah, that income. Yeah. Income. You're like a celebrity. You're, you know, and I was a production assistant and it, you know, you get paid decently, but you get, you know, you're the lowest of the low and you know, and so I did that for three and a half years and it was the best education ever. Cause I worked in commercials, which is the highest quality people that work in there when they're not shooting those films, when they're not shooting features, you work with John Schwartzman who did like Armageddon at the time when and I remember I got to see how he works as a DP on commercials. You see the beginning, middle, and end of a production really fast on a commercial. So I learned that process really well. Also got to meet a lot of people that would do me favors to be work on my film, Rituals and Resolutions. So during this whole time, I'm writing, I'm writing. You know, you re I'm reading scripts, I'm writing scripts, I'm watching DVDs and the, and the uh, Platinum series, you know, behind the scenes of DVDs. And I'm just doing that feverishly every night, every day. And uh, when it came down to create rituals and resolutions, I had a great crew, had a lot of favors. Uh, it still cost me about 65 grand, you know, for a young guy that stole a lot of money. Now, now did you self-finance that or you bring some other people in? I was a combination of credit cards and friends and promises and, and uh, you know, and just a bunch of hodgepodge of whatever you could scratch, teeth and get uh, and, and, and earn and, 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 and spend all the money that you're making along the way. Yeah. So well, you, you got it made. Doing. And then there's this huge fanfare with HBO. And yeah, then I, 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 I got accepted to a lot of big film festivals. It didn't, I, I wasn't finished for Sundance. So I didn't get in that because it was like half done. But I got in, I went to the two biggest short film festivals in the world, which are Palm Springs International and Oberhausen. 
won those in my perspective categories. Wow. Uh, when I was when I was at Palm Springs, I was with my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, let's get the fuck out of here because I'm not going to win this thing. This, it was huge. I'm, Palm Springs International is a big short film festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's a big deal. And, and I left. And I didn't stay for the dinner. And we ended You winning. left? Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's where the guy from HBO, from Adam Films, the distribution company, which was really big back then, they, they said, we want to buy this. And um, that may be like a third of my money back, you know. Wow, for a short film. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, and we had a lot of good names in it, and it was, it was good. It was a night, it was a half hour drama uh, about uh, intertwining um, dysfunctional people that let their negative rituals rule their life, and they come full circle of like ending on a lower plane yeah. at the end. So um, that's, that was Rituals Resolution. I got close to a movie deal because of that. I wrote, a, you know, three screenplays at the time, written eight cents, but uh, three that were, you know, wanted to make, uh, had meetings all over town, meetings. With, so, so, um, so, so, so I just want to clarify here. When you say you get close to making a movie deal, you're pitching the big studios and networks, right? Yeah, they show up to film festivals and they, they, hear, they hear you getting some heat. So, and then got bought by HBO. So they're like, let's see what else you got. You give them your screenplay, that's what you got. You say, well, I want to make this film. So they were close to making a movie that I wrote about underground gambling casinos in Los Angeles, which I did. I did that personally as a nightclub promoter. Um, I ran those. And uh, they were close to it. And Trimark Pictures, which is owned by Lionsgate, uh, Robert Shore, who's the head of it, said, you know, we're close to a deal. But she ended up moving on and it did the deal didn't go through. And I was like, so fucking after yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, it's like, brutal. It's uh, development hell. It's so brutal. Yes. You get the money. You'll get the, you, you get the talent. We'll get the money. You get the talent. We'll get the money yeah. back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. So I, I decided, screw it. I'm going to make my own movie that no one would want to make. That's not underground games. It's going to be called Love Hollywood Style. It's going to be about four intertwining stories about dysfunctional people in love in Hollywood. Huge, Nobody huge movie, by the way. I remember that movie. I mean, you're, you're talking about, I remember Faye Dunaway was in it. I mean, it was a Coolio. I mean, probably the, the, the most... The biggest homemade movie ever made, I guess you could say, because it started off, I wanted to do it on video. No, now we're going to shoot on 35 millimeter and it's it just got a runaway production. I was crazy. So so obviously that that's not a, a, a micro budget or $65,000 short film. How, how did you put this thing together yourself? So I was in debt and I'm broke because everybody that promised me to pay me back for original resolutions um, didn't didn't you know, follow through, you know, they, a lot of people just say, oh yeah, I'll give you 20 grand. And so that never happens. So I had to file BK. I was broke and I was working, still working as a production assistant. And I said, I still got to make this movie. I don't care what happens. You know, it's like a drug, you know, you just have to do it. So I said, I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to, you know, I, I was an entrepreneur at heart. You know, I, 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 that's like, just comes natural to me to be, to want to be an entrepreneur. But that had I to be like a million dollars. I mean, had to be like a no, million dollar movie. It wasn't that much. It wasn't that much because I know how to, I, and we, maybe we could talk near the tail end on like how to get secrets of getting a, a film made for cheap. There's all a little, I'd love to talk about that part because there's all little yeah. nooks and crannies you could do. So how, how so, did this come together? I'm dying to know, like I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, so I, I started, I said, I want to do an internet company. So my, my dad, who was just like, you know, I told you he was like homeless after he made millions. And then he's like, he's selling tools. He said, here's a catalog with some products. And I said, you know what? Look at these tarps. They're colorful. They're used, used for a lot of things. I said, I'm going to sell tarps on the internet because I heard a guy sold ceiling fans. I'm like, that's boring. I said, I want to sell tarps because, and I looked in the, and it was more methodical. I wish I could be like, you know, Chaplin where the mustache and the, and the cane fell in his hand. It wasn't any of that. 
So I, I said, here we go. I'm going to make, this might give me my movie business. I'm going to sell tarps on the internet. <laughs> and within six months, I made 300,000. With like a, a year, I made over a million in that business. Wow. And um, just worked my ass off. And I said, great, now I can make Love Hollywood style. And uh, it, it was not, I, I made it for much cheaper than you would think I did, but it was a lot more than 65 grand. And the way I did that, and here's some tricks. Ready for some tricks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So one, because one film does well, you get a little bit more heat for talent. You get that opens up the door for agents to say, well, this guy did this. He, you know, he's now can, you know, we'll at least have somebody, you know. They want to he's, work with you. Yeah. But you still get doors closed. So I said, you know, uh, you know, Anne Bancroft is busy. She can't be play the role of God. This person's busy. I'm like, okay, Faye Dunaway's busy. She will not commit six months out. You know, she could get a better gig. You know, this is just an independent, you know, thing. So I said, all right, we wait, we wait to the last moment because actors like to act. So I, I get a, I, I find somebody else to play that role. And I said, you are a B team. You're going to have to accept that. And I, if I'm, I'm trying to get Faye Dunaway, if I get her, you got to back out. And I wait wow. and I produce and I pr preparation, pre-production and I wait. And two weeks before the shoot, I, I say, what does Faye Dunaway want? We knew her lawyer. You know, we got a contact. Out of the she time, wants you know, to act. And if yeah. she's got a few days and make some money, <laughs> it's a win-win. I said, look, I will shoot all of her. I will shut down the whole production. I will guide everything at Gower Studios. I will, get, I will make the white psych solely to her. It's going to take a half a day. I will have a car pick her up. I will make sure that her wardrobe's right there. I will, everything will be pre-lit. Everything will be done. We will care, to cater to her. It's going to be six hours. How much money does she want? She wants, wants $10,000 in a brown paper bag. Why a brown paper bag? I don't know. All right, you know what? She's a two-time Academy Award winner. We need a big name. I, I will give her that. And I'm the one that gets to act with her too. So I was like, fuck it. I'm a kid in a candy store. I want to like, I want to fucking <laughs> act with Faye Dunaway. You know, I'm an actor. So, um, so there was one Andy Dick, uh, <laughs> who's fucking nuts. Um, same thing. You know, let's wait. Andy's busy. Andy busy. Let's wait. Okay. Andy says he could do it. I'm like, I was going to, I say, what does he want to get paid? It's like, they were so unorganized. I don't even know if Andy got paid. Cause like he wanted a lot of money and I was like, look, what do you want to get paid? You know? So it was like, I think he said, fine, we'll do double scale or something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know if he got, he ended up asking for the money afterwards or like, you know, how that went down because I don't remember paying him. Coolio, he's shooting another film. I said, where's he shooting? It, it is so, we just need him to play himself and yeah, I will, yeah, yeah. I'm, and it's going to be done on video because it's supposed to look like behind the music. I said, I will go to that shoot. And during his lunch, I will shoot him. I, I will just concentrate here here's oh the question 20 minutes i said coolio because i had a friend that knew me. he goes downtown la he goes he goes all right so y'all doing this y'all doing that like yeah i could do it right now here's the here's a release form here's everything and he's like how much uh, i'm like how much do you want he goes how much money you got in your pocket i said i got about six yeah has anybody else got any money it's a couple hundred dollars i was like <laughs> here you go and he's like all right let's do it and he sat there wow. he had to run off to the set of like this i said we'll wait you know and I shot him, and now I got Coolio in the film. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell all the filmmakers I'm working with the same thing. Wait till you get the money. Wait till you get the schedule. At the last minute, reach out. There's thousands of huge actors that are not working on a certain day in Los Angeles or, yes. or wherever. But you intrigue me about this B-lister. So tell me, 
was this a friend of yours that you knew you could back out real quick or did you back her out and say, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll make you like a one liner in the movie or is she just gone? I'll, I used to back in the day, I, I would find somebody in drama log or, you know, backstage and say, look, you know, you, we like you. You're good for this part. But this is this is, you know, contingent. And that's it. And it, it could be a friend. I, could, I do have you know certain friends that were like a bigger, you know, they're great actors and actresses. But you know, I'll, I'll, I will give them that contingency. But but so so they're saying you, so you still pay them like the scale rate, right? No, they they audition. I said you are on you are on standby. Oh, okay, okay, wow. Well, that's I I never even thought about that. But what a great what a great strategy because you're not sacrificing the film, and it only gets better if you get that huge A list Academy Award winning star at the last minute. Right. Here's another thing. So let's say you're shooting, you know, you, I got three actors, a really good Stephen Tobolowsky, Larry Drake, and, and Robert Picardo. You know who they are. You've seen their faces. Huge. huge. Yeah. So I love those guys. I love, I love like the actors that are character actors because those guys are craftsmen. Picard, you know yeah. I mean? Picard's amazing. You just, you're sitting, it's like baseball, you know, I keep on making this gesture in baseball because yeah. it's like, oh yeah, gonna, you know, we, because we start playing now because Faye Dunaway didn't come she had to use cue cards. She's like, fuck it. I'm Faye Dunaway. She's like brandoing it. Yeah. Right. And I'm in, but I'm playing baseball with her. Cause this is like a fucking game to me. I'm like, world I'm series. Like, I'm in tune. She called me Liam, which is her son's name, you know? And I was like, Oh, I got you now. I said, you, we feel a rapport. We were in zone. Cause she was trying, we had that kind of relationship within the script. These guys, these character actors, which are just amazing craftsmen. We got to play baseball together, like tennis, you know, back and forth was so great. Those guys, are great because if you have a decent, you know, film that you did before and they like your work, you, you tailor everything around their shoot. I'm going to tell their agent, I'm going to shoot them all in one day. One day they're going to be in and out to be a short day. And I, and I make sure that I, 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 everything is around that day. And, um, magic and, to their ears. Yeah. So to make it easy for them, what can we do for them? You know, it's not about you yeah. like, uh, Oh, this is going to work in my, no, you have to tailor towards, you got to figure out a way. The other thing is you got to steal shots, of course, right? So yeah. we're on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, better to, you know, ask for forgiveness later and just, you know, do that. And you just do a lot of that. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is as an independent filmmaker. And, yeah. um, you know, if somebody says, hey, like I shot in front of my parents' house on somebody else's property and they were, they were like, they're in Encino and they're like, hey, you can't shoot here. It's like, well, we got a permit. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, go, 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 get, go get the permit, you know, and that, we're still shooting. And they're getting the permit, right? I'm like, we only need about 15, 20 more minutes anyways. You shoot it and it's like, all right, well, we'll get that permit for you, but we're already done with our shot. Yeah. So you just do a lot of that and that's the way it is. So it, pretty, pretty, I mean, I, I, I wish I could spend another 20 minutes getting into some of the entrepreneurial things here, but you, you did the smart thing that a lot of people do. Your film school was working as a PA. So you're absorbing all that. You basically bootstrapped your first couple of movies. You got financing from some friends. I still don't know how you put uh, that Faye Dunaway movie together, but it was awesome. Congratulations for that. I want to ask you, because we're getting close to closing here. At about age 23 or 25, you started getting involved in personal growth, NLP, psychology. I don't know if you crossed paths with Tony Robbins, but how important would you say that mindset is to doing what you're doing, which is starting up all these businesses and really every movie that our audience is doing, they're raising the money. It's, I, I believe mindset is the most important thing. 
Dude, I, if I can go back and do anything, I would try to do it as early as possible. I had a really dysfunctional childhood. So I've done everything that Tony Robbins done. I've been to Namali, his, his Fiji, his, he's oh, got wow. his own resort there. He's got a bowling. He's the only one that has a bowling alley in Fiji. Um, <laughs> I've done everything that he's done I've, and a lot of other people too. And look, you know, it, when you understand why you do what you do and why other people do what you do and personal development, human nature and psychology, and uh, it, it conditions you, you know, and it's an ever, you know, ever, it never ends, you know? So uh, that's huge. I, I tell everybody, it's like, what is the one thing that you would do? I would say, get involved in personal development. We did that before anything. If you're like 13 years old, start to understand what personal development is and start to do that. I used to make fun of it a little bit. You know, you go through these growing pains because when I went, when I was starting to do it, it wasn't so common. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and um, it, it is the, you know, you understanding what makes you, what triggers you to take action, what triggers you to get, you know, this is what I want, what triggers you to go from point A to point Z on what you want, that's all personal development. So it's, it's, a, it's step number one, guys. Yeah, no, it's so powerful. And, um, you know, it, it got all your movies done, even though you didn't raise money for, raise money for all of them, you got all of them done. Um, you started all these extremely successful business. And I, I believe it's just the mindset and then taking action. Because if you don't take action, like if you don't reach out to potential investors, there's no movie. Yeah. And you got to start with reps too. It's like stand-up comedy. It's like you got to put in your reps. So it's, it's Pavlov conditioning. It gets in your nervous system because I could tell you something that you could intellectualize. But unless you put something physical behind it, you have intellectual knowledge, but you don't have physical knowledge. You're going to take the physical knowledge, which now marries it with intellectual, and you got to put some reps together. So now it's a condition and a pattern that automatically happens to, to where it's unconscious competence. You start at a level of unconscious incompetence. You don't know how to tie a shoe. You don't even know what a tying a shoe is. I show you what it is. I tell you what it is. Now you understand it, but you don't know how to do it. You need to make it conscious competence. And then eventually you need to make it unconscious competence to where you do things and you're not even aware that you're doing them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like part of your DNA. So um, you're very, very modest, Michael. Um, one of the things we didn't have time to get into is uh, your tarp company, Abadak, has made over $100 million, and you've donated thousands of tarps to the needy, which I think is just incredible. Um, what is the best way for people to follow you and your awesome podcast? They see the sign right behind you, Long Shot Leaders. Yeah, uh, just go to longshotleaders.com. It's going to be called, in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be called uh, michaelsteinmedia.com because we're starting two new podcasts. I'm starting a new company called Bolator, which will hopefully be the next you know household name like Yeti. It's a whole new patented brand of products that are for outdoors. And uh, it's a backpack that's a soft cooler that opens up to a tarp that's also a hammock that's also has like a drain for survival and a whole line of products, the ancillary products that go along behind that. And hopefully be a whole lifestyle brand that you'll hear of. And uh, there's a Bulletory podcast that tells uh, outdoor adventures. Some of the biggest, you know, names in the outdoor world will be on that. And then the Stein Time Show, because I'm starting to do stand-up comedy again in June. And I will do it indefinitely. And uh, that'll be just comedians and, and filmmakers and actors on the Stein Time Show. So you just go to Michael Stein. You go to now, for now, longshotleaders.com. But that's what I'm doing in the future. Awesome. Longshotleaders.com. I checked out your website, Bulletory. It looks really, really cool. So I wish you all the best success with that. Thank you. Any, uh, before we part, any last parting words for filmmakers looking to do what you've done multiple times, create all these movies? Okay, well, write out a plan 
you know, of course, on like a spreadsheet with dates. You know, I like to cho choose everything with backdate and say, here, here's more than enough time for me to do my goal, more than enough. Give yourself pad that. And then say, what are the steps I need to take? I don't even care if I know. You've got to take immediate action. When you say you want to do something, it's like walk away right now. So if you really, you know, if you talk about it, it's a possibility. But if you schedule it, it's real. So then you, and then you have to take immediate action to get your nervous system involved in that process. So I would do those things first. And then I would start to role model somebody else that has gotten the results that you wanted to get. And I would say, what are the steps that they took? And then I would start to build out a spreadsheet. Even though you're not a spreadsheet person, you might not be, but I would start to build it out with dates and say, well, then I'm going to need to take this step, this step, this step, this step, this step, and then start to like do all those things and then map it out and then start to take immediate daily action on those things. That's what I would, that's where I would start. Awesome. Um, you're a real inspiration, Michael. Thank you so much for doing this today. I know you're super, super busy. Longshotleaders.com. Get plugged in. And uh, thanks again, Michael. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And remember, it's time! There's never been a better time to make your own indie film. And if you have a dream project you're excited about and 100% committed to getting it funded, go to financeyourmovie.com and click on the green telephone button. You'll see our calendar, and if you find an open spot, grab it you'll get a one-on-one -on -one call with me or one of my partners. It will be the best hour you've ever spent getting clarity and strategy towards financing your movie. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.